live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The last 24 hours have represented the NFL's legal tampering period. But despite that, and there's a lot of activity, despite all the activity, we still do not know the most important activity. We still do not know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. We have no news. We have no news, but what we do have are tweets. I know, a little underwhelming. But at least we have a tweet from the man himself. And that's the first time in more than a month. Aaron's account posted a tweet and a message to the entire world last night. Now, if you were thinking that it might be big news, breaking news, or really any news, anything that would help us figure out exactly what the hell is going on, what he's thinking, if you thought that, think again. Because this was the tweet from at Aaron Rodgers 12. So laughing emoji, <laughs> laughing emoji. S U L L L L L L. So that clears up absolutely nothing. In fact, what that did was create an entirely new rabbit hole with Packer fan and Jet fan and other assorted internet weirdos all racing to figure out exactly what the hell Sewell means. You know, like Sewell is some sort of cryptogram. Maybe you need a cipher to decrypt the code. Or maybe it's like an anagram. Or maybe it's a secret password. Maybe he was trying to thumb out soon and got like 90% of the letters mixed up. Or honestly, maybe what he should have just tweeted out was troll, T-R-O-L-L-L-L-L. Because right about now, dude is messing with everybody right now, and I'm guessing loving every second of it. Oh, and then this little twist. Come to find out, Sewell may not have even come from Aaron. Turns out Sewell may just be a hint. But not the hint that you think it is. Because it turns out that Sewell may refer to Rasul Douglas, a.k.a. Aaron's teammate at cornerback, a.k.a. this guy. Talking about Rasul Douglas? There you go. Maybe. Maybe that's what that was. Maybe it's all about Rasul Douglas. And, in fact, he apparently is claiming to be the actual author of the Sewell tweet. And apparently claims that he is the one in possession of Aaron's cell phone. That's right. Aaron is in the midst of a decision that could completely change the course of two separate NFL franchises. But apparently, Rasul has his cell phone. Apparently. At least according to Rasul. Because according to Sewell, he tweeted, A-Rod gave me his phone when he went into Darko mode. 
Darko mode. I like that. I'm assuming that's what Rasul is calling sitting in a dark, partially underground room for four days and four nights. Or two days and two nights. Or however long he was in there. Or maybe, maybe Darko mode does not refer just to the darkness retreat, but rather the last month or so of his life. Maybe that darkness retreat was part of a larger Darko mode, and that's why Rasul has Aaron's phone, because he went Darko. Then again, who gives their phone to anybody for four hours, much less four weeks? Even Aaron. So, did Aaron tweet it? Did Rasul tweet it? Who has Aaron's phone? Aaron or Rasul? If the Jets want to communicate with Aaron, do they have to go through Rasul to do it? I mean, who knows? Who knows, man? I just know that Aaron's laughing his ass off somewhere. And that he probably meant to thumb out troll. And the phone auto-corrected to Sewell. Because as far as actual communication from Aaron himself, the only recent sound we have, the only actual on-the-record comment we have is this short exchange he had with Brandon Marshall over the weekend. How was it meeting Woody Johnson? How was that meeting? Oh, that was, that was you know, it's, it's always interesting meeting important figures in the sport. Um, yeah, it's always interesting. That's all I'm giving. I'm just there now. That's all I'm giving. Hey, Rod. Little bit of chemistry here. What, what, what are we doing, A-Rod? <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned? How Stay long tuned. we got to wait? Well, I think it won't be long. There's a, there's, a, there's, a time, there's a time limit for all this. Can I break the news? Like, there's a time limit for all this, but we're already into the legal tampering period and still nothing other than Sewell. Clearly, it's all going down on Aaron's time, not the Packers or the Jets. And now everybody is essentially running out of time. Everybody wants an answer, and nobody more so than the Jets, or Jets fan, or New York media. Check out some of the headlines from the back pages in New York City this morning. Daily News, quote, well, we're waiting. Jets see white leave for Dolphins. Garoppolo goes to the Raiders. Rodgers takes his time. The Post, quote, anxious Jets fans to silent Rogers. We're waiting. Newsday, quote, flight delay with Rogers' arrival still up in the air. Jets quarterback options are thinning. And a quote. Good to see the New York media is already getting pushy and impatient and somewhat belligerent. And Aaron hasn't even stepped foot in the city yet that we know of. Newsday, though, does make a pretty good point. The options are definitely thinning which is why if the Jets really are in the dark this morning, that no organization in all professional sports is sweating more profusely or gripping harder than NYJ. Because what if Aaron doesn't actually end up in New York? I mean, I think he will. I'm pretty certain he will. But what if he doesn't? If he doesn't, the NYJ are S-O-L. Because now they can't fall back on Derek Carr. Jimmy G is no longer a plan B. Mike White even is in Miami. My dude Jameis is in New Orleans. Hell, even if they wanted Sam Darnold back, 
That's not happening. He's signed in Frisco. Taylor Heineke got snatched up by the Falcons this morning. Essentially, with every hour that goes by that there is no commitment, the Jets are getting closer and closer to a potential quarterback room of the Coog Hunter and Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm going to make that dude's life hell in practice every day. <laughs> Carson and the Coog Hunter. Man, how hilarious would that be? A nuclear disaster <laughs> for a team that's already allegedly a quarterback away from Super Bowl contention. And no, that Schefter tweet from this morning about the Jets negotiating with familiar Rodgers target Alan Lazard is not some sort of relief. Nor is this notion that Randall Cobb might come too. In fact, it would make it even funnier. Yeah, how great would that be if Aaron said, all right, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. You know what? Do me a favor. Get Alan Lazard. You know what would help me? I'm almost there. I, it's like we're on the two-yard line. Get Randall Cobb in there. Get those two dudes, and then I think we're there. All right, Aaron, we did it. Anything else? Yeah, I retire. I'm good. I got a podcast. I got other things I want to do. Yeah, so there's no actual relief yet. No actual relief until we get actual news from the actual man himself. And we know that his actual phone is in his actual hand. My man, anytime now. I mean, the dude's absolutely going to the Jets, right? How could he not? At this point, I hope he doesn't because then it would be like the most Jets thing ever. So for the rest of the show... I'm just going to do what the rest of you will be doing, and that's refreshing Twitter. Maybe Aaron will hit us with some more tweets like, Rasul! Or maybe the next one will be, Jair! Alexander. Or, Kenny! Clark. Or, Rashawn Gary. Then move on to the offense. AJ Dillon. Christian Watson. Or my dude, Aaron Jones. Or like I said initially, hashtag. Troll! Get the trolls off our back for at least a week. Man, that is music. That is absolute music to my ears. You should know by now exactly what that sound represents. That that is the very best kind of notification you could ever hear. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment that another business dream has become a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. It doesn't even matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. I mean anything. Succulents or stilettos. Flaky salt or fine art prints, all sorts of categories, fashion, home and garden, health and beauty, essentially anything. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok. 
Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 Help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up right now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Rome to take your business to the next level today, shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. He is Carlos Boozer. Carlos, what's going on? How are you? Guys, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on. It's been a minute. All right, so let me talk to you about a few things. Starting with March Madness, it is upon us. John Shire took the near impossible task where he took it on of being the man to follow the man. They struggled early on, but Duke has been playing lights out. Your alma mater looks really good when it matters most. What do you make of the job that he has done, and how does Duke look to you entering the tournament? What an impossible job to take on. I mean, obviously, he's following a Titan in Coach K. Uh, very proud of the job that John's done <clears throat> on the sideline over there at Duke. He had the two top players <clears throat> in the high school class to play without them. You know, Lively and Derek Whitehead, one and two in the, in, the, in the high school class, were hurt to start the season. So we had to kind of maneuver and, and shift things around and try to figure out ways to win games. But as they got healthy, they started to roll. You know, Jeremy Roach being the lone the only guy from that Final Four team from a year ago gives the ball over to Tyrese Proctor, who's doing a phenomenal job as a freshman and the responsibilities. And then the surprise of the season, and, and Kyle Filipowski got Rookie of the Year in the ACC, also got the championship ACC tournament MVP, played terrific against Virginia in that championship game. The team is really rolling. Lively is a straight rim protector. I saw a game against Carolina where he had a double-double mixed in with like eight or nine blocks as well. So <clears throat> one of the hottest teams in the country going into the tournament, they've won nine in a row. And to me, the, the, the reason for their success is their defense. Offense comes and goes. They're knocking down 37% uh, percent from the three-point line in their nine-game winning streak. But their defense has been outstanding. They pressure the guards. They protect the room with block shots. They dominate the glass. And in my experience, just I'm sure as you've been around for forever, defense travels in the tournament. So I'm looking forward to seeing this team play. How cool of a story would it be in Shire's first year if he's able to win a title and get to the Final Four? That would be pretty amazing. But I think Shire's done a terrific job in his first year at Duke. Carlos Boozer joining us. You're right. The shots are not going to fall every single night, but the defense can show up no matter where you are. Carlos, you mentioned Carolina. Let me get your thoughts on that. Carolina was in the championship game last year. They returned four starters. They were a preseason number one, and then they missed the tourney altogether this year. That has never happened before. Exactly what did happen this year to them? Yeah, I mean, they were up and down. I mean, if you look at a year ago, they were also up and down a year ago. Then they got hot late, and they ended. Up, they found themselves in the championship game up 15 at halftime, and they lose to Kansas with 20 minutes to go in the game. That kind of depicted their season. They were hot and cold all year. They get hot, go all the way to the championship game, and don't close the deal. They followed up this year as well. I mean, Carolina, I really was rooting for them because I, I'm a big Armando Baycott fan. I think he was one of the best talents we had in the post and the, and the front court this season. But they just had inconsistent play on the perimeter a little bit, a little bit of inconsistent play with their defense. They were giving up too many points, and so they fall short. The committee did not reward them for being in, in the tournament, even though I really wanted them to be in because that's a team I still think in the tournament, but they just didn't have a consistently good season. First time, as you mentioned, in the history of a preseason number one being ranked number one, not making the tournament. So um, a little disheartening from that, but and I th obviously it's the Tar Heels.
they'll be back. They got a star recruiting class coming in next year. I do believe Mondo has a, a fifth year COVID year. He can come back. Those guards, I think R.J. Davis' stock went through the roof. I think he may be gone, but Caleb Love could definitely come back. Um, so we'll see what, what lineup they have to work with next year, but I'm rooting for them to to make it next season. Carlos Boozer breaking down the tourney for us. So, Carlos, I talked to Coach K a couple of times in the last couple of months, and one of the things we talked about was the Redeem Team documentary. You were on that squad that yeah. Team USA played for or represented in 08 when they won the gold medal. I'm curious, when you think back to that time, what was the dynamic like in 08 when Kobe Bryant joined LeBron on the Olympic roster? And what do you remember about that time? Man, LeBron was terrific. I mean, one of the best players in the league. But Kobe put us over the top. And the good thing about that documentary, who was also it was also produced by Bron and D. Wade, is that it, it showed the struggles. I think the story that most people didn't know about USA basketball. I mean, the struggles that we had as an organization trying to get back to that gold medal. You know, starting with 04 and all the all the inner the games in between, the summer games. And then, you know, they hire Coach K and Coach K puts together a program where guys got to be committed. Like, I, I want you I want you to be a part of this every single summer. And guys made the commitment. LeBron was there every year. D-Wade was there. Chris Paul was there. You know, all these guys made the commitment to be a part of the organization over time, over time. And then we were brought we brought in Kobe. Kobe put us over the top, man. He was just that special. You know, may he rest in peace. We all hear the stories about his commitment to the game told some of those stories like when we got back from from going out the night in vegas and it's like five or six you guys know vegas it's like five or six in the morning and Kobe was walking to the lobby to, so we we're like whoa this guy's taking it really serious and if you look at the year that he had you know obviously he won the gold medal i think he won like the the all-star game mvp i think he won the finals mvp and got a championship that year like he was so driven to get back on top of the game and it started with that summer that he dedicated and sacrificed and that's the kind of guy Kobe was. And so that trickled down to D-Wade, trickled down to LeBron, trickled down to myself and the rest of us. And that's really where you see LeBron like take off after that 08 Olympics experience playing next to Le uh, Kobe Bryant. Well, that's a great anecdote. Carlos, for those who do not know what you're talking about, when you guys were in Vegas, and you're right, it's Vegas. I mean, guys are going to go out, guys are going to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> guys were coming in like at 5 a.m., and Kobe was in the lobby. But Kobe had not gone out. Kobe had either already worked out and was going to get his work in, but he had made that point. Like, he helped set that tone. Now, you finished your career with the Lakers. When LeBron went down with that foot injury on February 26th, it seemed like that was going to be the end of their season. Instead, they've gone 7-3 and three without LeBron. How do you explain them playing so well without him? And are we now talking about the Lakers, Carlos, as being that proverbial problem and that team that you do not want to see in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, that part isn't there, but, you know, Anthony Davis has stepped up huge in LeBron's absence. I think there's been a lot of scrutiny on him this year to be that guy. As we see Giannis and we see Embiid and Jokic and these guys dominate the game. Everybody wants to see AD dominate in the same way, but with all the injuries that he's accumulated over the course of his career, I don't know how his body's feeling. It can't be feeling great, right? He's been, he gets hurt every season. So all that piled up. That being said, I think he's played great. And the rest of the guys around him, they, did, they made a couple of trades. They made a couple of moves. Um, LeBron went down, but also D'Angelo Russell was out too. And that was a big move for them. So not having two starters in that play prominent positions, Russell is now back. He played pretty well last night. Um, so, you know, I, I think they have a real shot to get in that play-in tournament. Maybe they end up in the nine seed, maybe the 10 seed, but they'll be in it. If they can get LeBron back, that's not a team you want to see in the first round of the, of, of the playoffs. So. 
we'll see how it all plays out. All right, so you're appearing courtesy of Pepsi Zero and DraftKings. What are you doing, Carlos, for these folks? Yes, Pepsi Zero Sugar to encourage fans to submit their, their zero right bracket on DraftKings. We all know how hard it is to get everything right on a bracket. This challenge flips it up on its head and asks you to predict the most unlikely teams to advance to get zero right. The DraftKings Zero Right Bracket Challenge presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar. Fan, a chance to win 100,000 big ones. So if I'm you, give you lower seeds to advance to the Final Four, and maybe you'll get lucky and win 100,000. Dude, I love that. I think that's brilliant. In fact, I wouldn't even do that. I, I would try my yeah. best and get none right. That 100 gur is mine, yo. That is mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do my best yeah. and try, and I'll win that thing. That's how the bracket is. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Carlos. Listen, great to get caught up with you. I appreciate that promotion. I appreciate you, and it's a really great conversation. Anytime. Always good to have you, man. Take care. Always good to be on, man. Thank you. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? I want to say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, association, you hear that? That is the sound of the defending champs starting to get it into gear. It is the defending champs starting to round into form. It is one Wardell Stephen Curry going on a tear, getting right, getting healthy, getting his team on his back the last couple of games. In other words, like I always say, I didn't make it up, but I love the phrase, not dead can't quit. Not dead can't quit. And Steph is refusing to let this team roll over and bleed out. Yes, I know. They're only 36 and 33. I know. They're only fifth in the West. That does not exactly scream world beaters. And I know. They're horrible on the road. 7 and 26 on the road. That would suggest... They're a hell of a lot closer to the lottery than they are defending their title. And the team's got lots of problems defensively, too. Yet, here they are. Here the bleep they are. Here we are. Right in the thick of things in that jammed-up West, where anything can and probably will still happen. The conference is wide-ass open. And since I've not hit you yet with a horse racing analogy, at least not in quite some time, you know what the dubs look like to me? They look like that one horse that is looming large, coming off the turn, five wide. A lot of further ground to cover than some of the horses on the inside, but looming large with a head of steam and, quote, a lot of horse. 
They're coming off two impressive wins over the best team in the NBA, Milwaukee. One of the favorites, if not the favorite, in the West, Phoenix. And Steph is starting to look like Steph again. He went supernova against the Bucks, going 36-6. and Led them to a win in OT. Then he steadied the ship last night against the Suns with a nice cool 23-7-5. While getting his fellow splash bro firing, Clay went for 38. Clay. 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 John Clay. Clay. Clay Thompson. So Steph is locked in. Steph is so locked in that he even shouted out to Chris Paul, quote, this ain't 2014 no more. This ain't 2014 no more after he went through him for an and one. Hey, Steph, you're right. This ain't 2014 no more. Although I'm not sure that Chris Paul was able to ever guard you or stay with you regardless. But my man, don't be so modest. Steph's currently or basically saying, yo, Chris, you haven't been better than me in a damn decade. But of course, Steph is all class. So after the game, he wanted to make sure that he let everybody know that no disrespect was intended. He did the moment stuff, just competing, just working. But I never, ever, ever want to disrespect a great guy and a great player like Chris. It's all competition. Um, play against somebody for so many years and the love I got for him because you know, our history and all that. So it's just competition back and forth. Yeah, and I think I like this ain't 2014 no more better. But like I said, all class. Always has been. Always will be. But if I'm being real, I like it when the babyface assassin talks that walk or takes that walk on the wild side. I like it when he temporarily channels his inner Draymond. And most of all, my favorite Steph of all is when he breaks out his alter ego, the Petty King. That's something he does not apologize for. Say what you want about the Petty King, but I'm here to say this dude still has something left. This dude still has a boulder on his shoulder, and it's as big right now as it's ever been. And I know you warrior haters are having a career year. I know you warrior haters are are bagging on Golden State and have been all year long for teammates clocking teammates for their house burning to the ground. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bag on. Keep throwing dirt on these guys. Keep digging that shallow grave. Just do it at your own risk. And know this. You're trying to bury the greatest shooter of all time. The greatest shooter of all time who's got the heart and the grit to match. Something he's never gotten enough credit for. You're trying to bury a defending champion squad that's got a core that's got four rings and a damn good coach and culture that are still intact. So keep digging that grave and Steph and the fellas are liable to rip that shovel out of your hand and smack you in the face with it. Like, I really don't care how loud... Dylan Brooks wants to yell about not being bothered or afraid of these guys. Let me tell you something. Even at 35, you don't, Dylan or anybody else, you don't want to chase Steph around the court, up and down for an entire playoff series. Not if this guy feels right and not if this guy's playing as well as he is right now. You don't want that. Nobody wants that. 
The Warriors still have their championship pedigree. The Warriors still have their championship DNA. And yes, again, I'm well aware they're 7-26 and on the road. Where did they win that title last year? On the road. Do you think these guys are just going to roll over and bleed out? Where the hell have you been for the past eight years? Yes, they're crap on the road. Yes, they're pretty crappy on the defensive end of the floor. But I'm telling you, yes, they have looked like they've been contending for the top pick overall more than they are for the Larry O. But do you really believe that all of a sudden these four-time champs just forgot how to win on the road, just forgot how to play defense? Do you really think that Steve Kerr does not know how to coach when they go into opposing arenas? Do you really think that Steph, Clay, and Draymond all of a sudden are not going to embrace the hostile environment? I'm just here to tell you, not dead, can't quit. Oh, by the way, Steph, happy birthday. Today is his 35th birthday. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Mark in Wisconsin. What's going on, Mark? How are you? Oh, Jim, you're laughing. I've been laughing all morning long. I saw an ESPN. They wanted Lazard. I said, texting my with my friend. I said, look, they're going to want Cobb. He's going to want Cobb, too. A little while later, comes up. They want Cobb. A little while later, I says, yeah, you'll probably want Lewis, too. <laughs> no, they want Lewis, too. This is what he does. He wants He's a GM. He has no friends, you know, no family, no girlfriend. All his friends are on that team. This is what he wants. He wants to get all his buddies there. I'm sick of all these players trying to run teams. Just shut up and play football already. Play basketball, LeBron. God, thanks. You got it, Mark. I don't agree with you, but you got it, Mark. I like the call. Was that like, shut up and dribble? Was that like, shut up and throw the rock? <laughs> he goes... Man, this is hilarious. He's got no friends. He's got no girlfriend. He's got no family. I don't think any of that's true. I know he has friends because he's trying to get all of them to come with him. Let's go to Green Bay. Mike in Green Bay. Mike, what's up? How are you? Uh, Great. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, it's really easy to uh, pin this all on Aaron Rodgers, in part because of the uh, last quarterback from Green Bay that uh, couldn't decide if he was going to retire. But I heard an interesting take today that uh, said that it's not Rodgers at all that's uh, preventing the uh, the breaking of the news, but in fact it's the Jets who are who would be over the cap once the, once the trade goes through, and they want time to. Uh, and, and if they go over the cap, they only get like 24 hours or something like that to uh, get under the cap. So they want to get their ducks in a row before anything is announced. Have you heard anything like that? Let's go to Pennsylvania. Nate in PA. It's good to have you, Nate. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot, man. Just working, listening to you. Um, I had a, maybe a little wrinkle here to the, the Rogers saga. Um, it just seems like a, a perfect fit at this point. 
Packers don't want him. Jets do want him. Is it that Rodgers is so vain that he's just trying to milk, you know, the attention for as long as he can? Or is it going back to the, the, the age-old answer to the age-old question? M-O-N-E-Y, Jim. I think that the Jets are saying, hey, we'll make it comfortable with the OC you want. We'll sign some of the receivers you want. But as far as the cap hit, you got to make it a little more comfortable for us. And that right now is the holdup. Let's go to Paul's dog. The dog is back. What's up, Paul's dog? Room, room, room. go to Sonora Shane good to have you Shane what's up hey Jim how you doing man good you hey I'm doing well thanks for taking my call um hey I just wanted to uh talk about the Jimmy G signing for the Raiders um I don't understand all the hate that Jimmy's still getting and people are talking about how the Raiders like they didn't do the right move this guy is going to win you seasons he's not going to win you games I understand that he's injury prone a little bit but I've never watched, as a 49er fan myself, I've never watched a guy in the locker room uh, take a step back and let young men lead uh, better than this guy. And I think Raider fan, like, you need to just slow your roll. I think Jimmy G is a good signing. I'm happy for him. Um, I think that he did a good job. And, you know, I think he's going to win the Raiders a lot of football games. And you know what? They're going to they're gonna be in the postseason next year, and people are going to be singing his praises. Uh, additionally, I want Niner fan to slow down on the Sam Darnold signing. I think it's a good signing. I think that Sam Darnold brings a little bit of a veteran, you know, uh, presence for these young guys who we've seen time and time again are proven to be just absolute winners. I, I see big things for the Niners. I see big things for the Raiders. And don't be surprised when it's Jimmy G's when the, when everyone's singing his praises because the Raiders are in the in the uh, playoffs next year. Thank you for the Vine, Jim. I appreciate your time. All right, Shane. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. If you remember anything about the roller coaster that was the U.S.'s ride through the World Cup, then you probably remember the worst case of helicopter parenting of all time. You know, that whole Reynas versus Burhalter's feud slash scandal that overshadowed pretty much everything else about the U.S. and Qatar, unfortunately. But hey, nothing screams legitimacy for a sport and a program and a team like mommy and daddy complaining to the coach about playing time. Now, you know me. 
For years and years and years, all I did was crack on soccer. And then I changed, I evolved, I morphed. I've come a long way on the beautiful game. In fact, almost all the way on the beautiful game. But even the biggest soccer honk has to admit, this is some of the cringiest, most Bush League soccer nonsense ever. I mean, even Orange Slices and Capri Suns at halftime are embarrassed by this garbage. The hope for U.S. soccer fans was the U.S. soccer would investigate all of this and somehow clear it all up. Maybe it was a big misunderstanding. Maybe there was an overreaction. Maybe there was a miscommunication. Maybe we didn't get the entire story. Maybe it wasn't as bad as it seemed. Well, thanks to a report that dropped yesterday, we now have the entire story. And it's even worse than we thought. I mean, more than the worst case of helicopter parenting ever, just when I thought that the Reynas couldn't look any worse than they do, they look much worse. And the report shows that the former captain of this very national team, Claudio Reyna, had a, quote, pattern of periodic outreach, end quote, to U.S. soccer officials over a six-year period concerning his son, Gio. A pattern of extremely negative, extremely pushy, extremely whiny outreach. It included messages like this after a match back in 2018. Quote, and in all honest, sick, can we get real and have male refs for a game like this? It's embarrassing, guys. What are we trying to prove? A game like this deserves better attention. End of quote. You know, and that's just the start. Not only that, but messages and suggestions to U.S. soccer employees at the 2022 World Cup, quote, suggestions they knew damaging information that U.S. soccer officials did not know. End of quote. If I didn't know any better, that sounds to me like blackmail. That sounds like a dude is threatening to go all rogue and soccer terrorist on his own organization. And as always, at least he had a good reason. Their prized child was not getting enough playing time for mommy and daddy, so they started to actively undermine the head coach right in the middle of the freaking World Cup during the tournament. Nothing like losing all perspective and disgracing yourself, your legendary name, and your legacy in the sport and dragging your prodigal son down with you. And then the sordid details start to come out. According to this investigation, another witness whose name was redacted said that the Reynas declined to get back on a bus in the family program at the 2022 World Cup after the Wales game because the Burhalter family was on the same bus. Keep in mind, these two families have been best friends for decades. That witness recalled a conversation with Danielle Reyna the next day in which she apologized for the emotion of the moment, but also said, and I quote, you're talking about 40 years of history between us for something like this to happen, 
End of quote. The witness then said that Danielle said, quote, something along the lines of once this tournament is over, I can make one phone call and give one interview and his cool sneakers and bounce passes will be gone. End of quote. I mean, what does that sound like? She pretty much implied we hate the way Burhalter is using our kid. And I'm sitting on some info that U.S. soccer does not know about that could destroy this dude. And I am not afraid to use or weaponize it either because they're doing our kid and our family all wrong. And then sure enough, that's exactly what she did when she decided to bring a domestic violence incident between Burhalter and his then-girlfriend and now wife Rosalind to the U.S. Soccer Federation, and it happened 30 years ago. These two families were extremely close for decades. And as soon as the Reynas didn't like the way their son was being used, they break out and they weaponize something that happened 30 years ago. That the Burhalters know was terrible. That they have completely owned, been totally accountable for, transparent about, and went through what they went through over a several-month period at that time to somehow make it right. And they've raised an amazing family. And they've been together since. Danielle Reyna, who wasn't even there when it happened, she admits that. She wasn't even there when it happened. She didn't see it. But she knew about it because the two were very good friends. And Rosalind told her about it. She used that info to get back at the coach and one of her alleged best friends because they did not like the way the coach, their alleged best friend, was using their son. Quote, there was a physical fight. I wasn't there. I didn't observe the fight. She confirmed the fight was between Greg and his wife. When we asked what actually happened, she said, I didn't observe it. She explained that she had talked about it with Mrs. Burhalter when it happened, but I don't know who hit whom. I was told there was a fight. That was it. So she doesn't even know the details. She knows there was an altercation, but that wasn't like she witnessed it. It was an extremely traumatic experience for Danielle Reyna because she saw her friend abused that night. It was just dirt. It was dirt that they sat on for three decades only to use against a coach who happened to be one of their best friends because their kid wasn't playing. I'm not sure there's ever been a more appropriate time for this cliche, but with friends like these, who the hell needs enemies? Imagine thinking you're friends with people for decades. Imagine knowing they all came up together, literally, in high school, played together in the juniors, grew up together, only to have these same, quote, best friends take one of the worst moments of your entire life a moment that you've owned, a moment that you still regret, a moment that you'll probably always regret, one of the worst moments of your entire life. Imagine those same friends using that moment 
and weaponizing it against you because their son didn't get enough playing time. Now, what garbage. Dragging the Burhalters, your alleged best friends, for something that happened 30 years ago that they have long ago owned and were honest about and know was a terrible thing. Over playing time. There's really no good reason to do that. To weaponize somebody's worst night against them when they're some of your best friends three decades later. There's no good reason to do that. But over playing time is the worst reason of all. And now your kids got to deal with it and you've got to deal with it. And like I said, just like I said then, I'll say it again right now, soccer is going to soccer. And of all people, I should have known better because this is as soccer as it gets. And once again, the beautiful game is proving that it can be as ugly as anything ever. Good night now!